Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Lions fans, it's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue, faces turn red, and rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions Podcast. Welcome to the Daily DLP. I'm your host, Ash Thompson. Today, I'm going to talk about why a coach might decide not to take a promotion in the NFL. Because Ben Johnson has done it twice now. So, you know, looking into that, why would somebody in the various types of openings of forehead coaches, why would somebody not want that job? So there are a few different types of coaching changes that we can look at here. I've kind of narrowed it down to three. Like you could dial it into like seven or eight, just various incarnations of these, but there's pretty much three types. The first type is kind of a broken franchise with nothing in terms of assets, like just a bad team that was bad, and that is why they are changing everything. It's usually a complete changeover. GM's gone. Coaching staff have been told they can all carte blanche look for other jobs. This is Detroit 2009, (laughs) where it's like, yep, we are burning everything. Complete rebuild. You don't have entrenched players that you're particularly interested in keeping for the most part. Like maybe one or two. I mean, 2009 Lions had Megatron as an example. Uh, But the point is you don't have much to work with. You are starting from scratch, like worse off than an expansion team in a lot of cases. And because the team has been so bad recently, there are usually not particularly big expectations in terms of automatic Like we are going to be successful in the next two years kind of thing. You get the opportunity to build an entire program from the ground up. And the coach that wants this type of job typically is a builder. That's who you need for it. Like Jim Schwartz was the right kind of guy for this job. You need a high energy, intense person who's going to make people believe things that are just not true for this scenario. Like whatever success you have is coming from the hard work, hustle, buy-in of players who aren't typically that good. You're probably still, even if you get that buy-in, not going to see a lot of success from it. Like there's an old saying that says it's Jimmy's and Joe's, not X's and O's. And while I'm not sure I completely agree with that because you can elevate things with scheme. (laughs) Uh, In this type of coaching opportunity, that is just fact. 
the the fact that you do not have the guys to line up week in week out and legitimately compete with teams like you might make it close but you're not probably not you're not going to win much <laughs> as far as coaching stuff goes you are trying to get as many players as you can to a level of acceptable competency as fast as possible the coach who takes this job needs to have a lot of contacts in the league. Like, for example, Schwartz was able to tap former head coaches for both of his coordinator positions. And that's a big part of why he was fairly quickly successful in that job. They were guys who knew how to run their rooms so that, like, the rookie head coach could focus on the big picture and learning to do his job. The team was coming from a head coach that loved nothing more than getting into the one-on-one defensive line drills and coaching the finer points of hand fighting with players because his coaches weren't giving them the tutelage that they needed to learn that. But he got lost, definitely got lost. This is Rod Marinelli I'm talking about. Kind of got lost in the weeds. Lost sight of the, the bigger picture. It was a defense that had been running the same defense as two other teams in the division and had the worst coordinator at running it and the worst personnel. (laughs) So a lot of why the 2018 was so bad is they were just doing the same thing as two other teams, but with absolutely no actual quality behind what they were doing. Uh, Every player needed to get on board with Schwartz with what was new or get shipped out immediately. And... They're, they weren't worth value in trades other than the ones that you want to keep in situations like this. Like you can get a whole bunch more draft picks from a guy like Megatron, but he's kind of the key. He's, he's all you got. <laughs> and that's the hardest thing about this kind of coaching job. Like you're going to lose, you're going to lose a lot. And there's absolutely nothing that you can do about that. Like if getting the crap kicked out of you for weeks, months, probably a couple years, isn't something you can handle, this ain't the job for you. And the other thing is that your owner and your general manager need to be on the same page with that. They need to have accepted that reality for this to be an at all tenable situation for you. So it's kind of basically what Dan Campbell walked into in 2021 is your best case scenario for this kind of job where like everything sucks. Everybody knows everything sucks and everybody recognizes that it is going to be a journey to get somewhere good because you are not somewhere good right now. Like particularly with Stafford asking out, like there was nothing to build this team from but rubble after the horrifying mismanagement for Bob Quinn and Pat and Pat, Matt, Patricia. (laughs) just terrible mismanagement and like for reasons that should be obvious i'm going to mention that the washington commanders are this kind of team right now the patriots are this kind of team as well but i'm not sure either of those teams really recognizes that that's what they are so if you're looking for a reason a person might not want to take that gig if they're walking in going this is a from the ground rebuild into the interview. And the person that they're talking to in that interview is saying things like, I think we can be competitive next year. Don't take that job (laughs) because that is not going to go well. If you don't believe that's true. Uh, Basically, these are the teams that were picked to finish fourth in their division and then finished fourth in their division. They've usually got a couple players worth mentioning, but it's a complete teardown. Usually a brand new GM. 
And you need to be in absolute lockstep with that person and the owner or everything is going to go terrible. You're just setting things up for his second hire. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The next opportunity is the team that the owner or GM believes has been lost by the coach. And that's why they moved on from said coach. Uh, this kind of team has some talent to work with. This would be like, say, the 2014 Lions or the Chargers or Atlanta this year uh, for reasons that I probably don't have to get super specific about. The day after the Lions offensive coordinator told them he wasn't interested, the Seattle Seahawks are this kind of team. The team wasn't perfect, but they had a quarterback. They had some weapons. Had some really solid players on the defensive side of the ball in 2014 with the Lions, but had kind of underperformed in 2013, and that's why the coach got fired. This is the kind of team you can take over and see immediate success if you're the guy that they need specifically. This kind of team is usually looking for the opposite of the last guy in almost every way. (laughs) If the guy who lost the team was a defensive coach, They're probably looking for a young offensive genius that the GM can work with. The team has been bad, but the powers that be think the players are good enough to be better. So this is often like the second hire for a GM. The first one is usually that complete teardown. The second one is usually like, okay, well, I got you some guys and you didn't do it. So you're fired. I'm going to bring in a guy that I think can, can take us to the next level sort of thing. It's like a six-win team that everyone thinks should have won 10. And the question in the interview is, how are you going to get us to 10? God forbid when you take this job that you struggle adapting to your new job and stay at six or worse, go down to five or the talent wasn't as good as they thought it was. You have to believe that the GM and owner are right, that this team is ready to take a step in order to take this kind of job. If the roster's old, that's a huge red flag. This will be the Saints when they make their next coaching change. Uh, This is the Raiders where I don't think they're as good as the owner thinks they are. (laughs) Uh, That Chargers job is kind of problematic because the owner has historically kind of expected things to improve immediately, but that team is about to dump a whole lot of really old talent. Like The the Chargers next year are not going to be the ones we're used to. If either of those two wide receivers are back, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, I'll be surprised. Uh, there's no way they're bringing back Khalil Mack. Like they, they, there's talk they might even trade Joey Bosa, which, yes, I would do that if I were the Lions. But anyway, that, that's the core of the team other than Justin Herbert. <laughs> but that's why a lot of people might not want that job is because they're walking into something where everybody thinks it should have been better, but they have to immediately cut a whole bunch of high-end talent just to get down to the salary cap and get younger because you always want to get younger when you take over a job. Anyway, that's the second kind of coaching job. You have immediate pressure to use someone else's tools to renovate half of your house. <laughs> Is, is like that's the best analogy I can think of for something non-football related. And if 
that's what you see when you look at the team. The problem, not the solution. You're not the kind of guy who should take that job. And then there's the third, and this is a lot rarer, and I don't really see any examples of this recently. Someone's handing you the keys to a team that's winning, but not winning enough. Uh, Bob Quinn thought that's what he was doing when he brought in Matt Patricia, but I don't think he told Matt that that's the plan. <laughs> Patricia thought he was walking into a complete teardown with no talent on a team that had won nine games, and the goal was to immediately win 11. So again, on this one, you have to be on the same page. Uh, usually this kind of team has one side of the ball that is in the upper echelons of the league, like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when they went from Tony Dungy to John Gruden are a perfect example of this kind of coaching transition. Probably the most famous one. Usually a coach has to be like actually fail before they get fired, and Tony Dungy never did. Uh, 2007, Marty Schottenheimer was also fired by the Chargers after going 14-2 and but they lost in the first round of the playoffs. <laughs> Madness. Um, and taking this job, though, like that, this is the other side of the coin, like that Chargers job, they went 8-8 eight eight the next year. This is not always sunshine and roses. This is somebody has done a very good job, and they want someone to come in and do a perfect job. You're walking into a room full of people that are just immediately going to hate you because you're not the guy who got fired. Everybody loved Tony Dungy. Everybody loved Marty Schottenheimer. John Gruden came in and elevated that offense, taking the pressure off of the defense that was so great. So right away, immediately half the team was on board. Actually, the whole team, because the offense is doing better and the defense doesn't have to try to outscore the opponents by themselves. North Turner, that team was a really good offensive team with a pretty good defense. He took over the offense, changed a bunch of things. Everybody was unhappy, 8-8, eight and eight, with a roster that had gone 14-2 and two the previous year. So, like, Lions never really had this actually happen. But, like, imagine if Dan Campbell got fired this year, <laughs> and they brought in even somebody like, say, Bill Belichick. Which, because, like, you could argue that that on paper is theoretically an upgrade. Like, but every, every player's learning new jobs they're going to be mad that the guy that they loved got canned. And then it's a whole new style that some guys are going to adapt to and some guys are not. You know what I mean? Like I would say if the Lions had made that change this year, there's no way they're a 12-win team next year. Absolutely no way. Uh, the Steelers are another good example of, well, not a great example of this. They were 8-8 eight eight in 2007, but had like a monstrous defense and probably... I'm going to go out a limb and just call him the best defensive defensive coordinator ever in Dick LeBeau. And they hired Mike Tomlin, who elevated the wide receivers coach that was already there to his offensive coordinator. That was Bruce Arians. Good call by Tomlin, obviously, given the rest of that story. And despite the fact that he had no background in the type of defense that LeBeau was running, but was a defensive coach, like he was a defensive coordinator running a Tampa 2 defense, Dick LeBeau could not possibly, well, they both run a lot of zone, but that's the really only similarity between the two in everything else. It's a 4-3 defense. He's letting the guy run a 3-4. This is how you do that. Like this team is already good. You don't need to clean house. You just need to tweak the things that are actually wrong. So the offensive coordinator was a problem. 
got rid of him, but there was this really smart guy already on the staff, very well respected. Let's slide him over into that OC spot. Defensive coordinator, one of the best in the world, doesn't run my defense. I'm not here to be a defensive coordinator, was kind of Mike Tomlin's take on that. He's like, why would I fire a guy who should probably go in the Hall of Fame when he retires? That's almost an exact quote. That's the kind of coach you need for this type of job, where it is a very good team that just wasn't getting pushed to where they needed to go by the previous guy. Like right now, using an an in-league example from this year, like say the Cowboys number two seed beaten in the first round of the playoffs. A lot of talk about McCarthy getting canned. If they had traded a bunch of picks for Mike Tomlin, that would have been the greatest move ever. Uh, Of course, it's not what Jerry Jones would have done in that case. Probably would have found a college coach, brought him in. Some coaches will just take whatever job is offered. Like last year, we saw Ben Johnson turn down the Panthers head coaching position and then watch the guy who jumped on that spot basically take a grenade for the league. He didn't even make it all the way through one season. This year, we've watched Ben Johnson turn down the Seahawks and the commander's jobs. Though in this case, no actual offer had been made, but for weeks, I mean, the commanders had been leaking that Johnson wasn't going to be their head coach. And he said to the media that he really just likes his current job, likes the city and wants to come back and win a Super Bowl. But there are also plenty of reasons not to want the specific jobs that he turned down. And I hope I've done a reasonable job of kind of covering why a coach might or might not want to take a gig. If he doesn't think he's ready for the jump, that's the best reason of all. Like many coaches do not know their own personal limitations. They are just obsessed with moving up and up and up and up. And that is why so many of them fail is because they don't even bother to learn the job that they had before they move on to the new job, or they try to just keep doing the same job that they were doing. This is like the Josh McDaniels model where it's like, I'll take the offense. I'll get a defensive coordinator who can run that entire side of the ball. But the head coach needs to be in touch with what is happening on both sides of the ball. Anyway, you get what I'm saying. That's it for today. Not sure what I'm going to talk about tomorrow, but I'll see you then. Let's bring it in here together. Let's go. Lions on three. One, two, three. You've had enough of that shit. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.